While you're taking your seats, I would encourage you to turn in your copy of the scriptural text or in the copy of the scriptures that are there in the pew rack in front of you and turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, This is part 15 in a series of messages that uh, uh, we're preaching over these summer months from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. So thankful for Pastor Ben's ministry last week. Did you enjoy his preaching of the Word? I listened to it online and was uh, glad in my heart to hear his exposition of the Word. I was also happy to confirm something that I'd suspected for some time now, that Ben does not have the gift of mercy. Uh, My first hint of this was uh, back when Ben was serving as a pastoral intern here during his college days. Uh, He was a student at Tocqueville Falls College, uh, one of our alliance schools, and he was a pastoral intern that summer. And uh, we were trying to give him the full scope of pastoral life. And so uh, I took him with me, uh, hospital calling. And... uh, Hospitals are not a place I learned that day that Ben Stefano likes that much. In fact, uh, going through the revolving doors of St. Vincent's, I looked into his face and, and literally the color had drained from his face, uh, knowing what was ahead that he'd have to stand in a hospital room with all the smells and sights that are peculiar to hospitals. And uh, it was, it was uh, quite clear to me that day that God had not given him the gift of mercy So, Dave Snyder, you don't need to worry about job security. Ben is not standing in line for your job. But aren't you glad that God gave him the gift of preaching and teaching? And it was a blessing to to hear that. I will never, though, um, hear the words of Marie Antoinette, let them eat cake again and not think of Ben DiStefano. Poor fellow struggling down there at the bottom of the stairs. A parable is told about a group of animals deciding to improve their general welfare by starting a school. And the curriculum in this particular school included swimming and running and climbing and flying. The duck, who was an excellent swimmer, was deficient in the other areas of running, climbing, and flying. So the duck majored in climbing, running, and flying, much to the detriment of his swimming abilities. The rabbit, who was superior at running, was forced to spend much of his time in the classroom learning uh, things like climbing and flying, uh, much to the detriment of his speed. The squirrel, who had been rated A-plus as a climber, dropped to a C in climbing because the squirrel's instructors had spent hours trying to teach the squirrel to swim and to fly. And the eagle, who was disciplined for soaring to the treetops when he had been told that he really needed to learn how to climb even though flying was most natural to the eagle. This parable is one that I heard when I was teaching methods, or was taking methods at SUNY Fredonia, preparing for a teaching career. And it's a parable that circulated in educational circles 
for many years. And the moral of the parable is simply this. People are different. Now, you didn't need a parable to to reveal that to you. You already knew that, that people are different. And that every one of us is not the same. One quick scan across this audience this morning will confirm that. Even as you look at the glories of creation, you are able to quickly assess and see the diversity in God's creation. The genius and the glory, which sometimes for us as human beings is also can be a source of frustration of being a human being. Because some of us go on through this life banging our heads on the wall trying to break through into an area of success in an area in which we simply are not gifted. Some of us want to have their gifts and not the ones we have. And that was the particular problem and situation that Paul, the great apostle, was addressing in this part of his letter to the Corinthian church. And he shares here some relevant uh, principles, I think, that are great insights and as relevant today as they were some 2,000 years ago when they were first written. Paul's topic here is that of spiritual gifts. And the first part that Ben shared last week is interwoven into the second half of chapter 12. And Paul is addressing in this part of his letter a community of people who were fragmented and divided because there were in the midst of this church, there were individuals who had elevated their particular spiritual gift to such a level that they were sending a message to others in the body of Christ that their gift was more important, their gift was more needed, their gift was more uh, significant. They viewed themselves as being important because they had a particular gift. They'd gotten their eyes off of the giver of the gifts, and they had instead placed their eyes on the gifts themselves. Now, Paul is an excellent communicator and teacher, and so he's very wise in the way he approaches this. And instead of... Uh, confusing them with a highly sophisticated uh, lecture on the nature of Christian community, Paul instead chooses to give them a very understandable, homey word picture to describe how the body of Christ should work. And he uses the analogy of the human body. He likens the church to our physical bodies. Already he has given some of the spiritual gifts that make up the body. And he's made the point that each particular member of the church is gifted by the Spirit of God, is gifted in particular ways. And that we, as followers of Christ, are to understand and to discover what our individual spiritual gifts are. And that these gifts have been graciously lavished upon us by God, through the Holy Spirit, for the benefit of His church and His work in this world, so that we, with our gift, would join with other individuals using their gifts, and the whole body would be joined together in one to advance the kingdom's work. I suppose you could, if you wanted to continue on the 
animal analogy, uh, you could say that what Paul is saying here is simply this. That if I'm a duck for whom swimming comes naturally, then I should swim. I shouldn't worry about climbing or running or flying. If I'm a squirrel who's been gifted to climb, then I shouldn't worry about swimming and flying and running because these are not my areas of expertise. I'm not gifted in them. If I'm an eagle, it would be pathetic to have my wings clipped because I desire to climb or run or swim when God has built me to soar high in the sky. And if I'm a turkey, like I am, then I ought to be content with gobbling and scratching, which I do. And as the animal kingdom demonstrates the unique God-given giftedness to each of the animals in His creation. So in the creation of the church, the church of Jesus Christ, God has given us unique and special gifts. And Paul uses the word picture of the body to explain what this is all about. There are four, I think, basic principles that emerge from what Paul is sharing here as he gives this word picture of the human body and likening it to the, the church of Jesus Christ. The first principle is this, that there is diversity and unity, both diversity and unity, that function together in the body of Christ, and they function together in a creative tension. Another way of saying that uh, would be that while we are not all the same, granted, we are not, while we are not all the same, each of us in the body of Christ, in the church of Jesus Christ, is as important to the health of the whole as is someone else. Paul writes very succinctly when he writes in verses 12 through 14, the body is a unit. And though it is made up of many parts, and though all of its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given one Spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Many parts, one body. What Paul is saying here in this these verses is this, that you and I, who have received Jesus Christ, the grace of God through Jesus Christ, that we've not only been saved, but we have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It makes no difference what our human backgrounds are, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, male or female. When we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we are baptized into one body. There is a unity that binds all these many parts into one. Diverse, unique, bound together through baptism in, in faith in Jesus Christ. Now this whole theme of baptism of the Holy Spirit may be confusing to some. I know that there are some in this fellowship that have 
have learned and, and possibly even today believed a, a whole other area of doctrine and theology concerning the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There are some who think that baptism of the Holy Spirit is something that you pray for later on in your Christian experience, that it's something that comes subsequent to salvation later on in your growth in Christ. I believe that that's incorrect. I believe that we are baptized by the Holy Spirit when we, in authentic repentance, accept Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Lord. And that all Christian people, no matter what their backgrounds, that all of us who are born again of the Spirit have already been baptized by that same Spirit. Now, on Wednesday night, we're going to be having a baptismal service. Lovely evening planned. Ten believers will be coming and giving public witness to the saving faith of God in Christ in their life. Now, that baptism that takes place on Wednesday night uh, is an outward expression of something that has happened already in their hearts. In their hearts, they've been baptized by the Spirit. There's a change of identity. That's what baptism means. There's a change of identity. When we come to faith in Christ, Scripture says that all things have become new and, and old things have passed away. All things have become new, that we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. There's a change of identity. Once we were without God, living in darkness and rebellion, but because of God's gracious work in Christ, has nothing to do with me, but when He moved on me by His Spirit, and I responded to the call of God in my life, though once I was without Christ, living in sin and rebellion and darkness, now I move to a new position. I have a change of identity. And now I become a son of the living God. And the light of Jesus shines in my heart. And I've been saved and forgiven and set free. And the record of my sin has been put away and cleared. And I've been baptized into faith in Jesus Christ. I've had an identity change. And when the Spirit of God comes into my heart and life at salvation, He gives me at least one spiritual gift. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will give you more than one spiritual gift that work together in a complementary sort of way. Some of you are supremely gifted. You have a whole mix of gifts that God is graciously using. But I can say this, that every one of you who have truly repented of, of your sins and are trusting in the grace of God in Jesus Christ, that you have been given at least one spiritual gift. And when you were baptized into this faith in Jesus Christ, you've become one with Christ and you've become one with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And though we are diverse and unique, we are one in Christ. Now you might say, well, that's all well and good, Rick, but I don't want to be one with that person over there. Too bad. You are. We're one together. Sisters and brothers all. The body of Christ is one. And this is only what 
we have gathered here in this assembly this morning is only part of the body of Christ. One of the joys of traveling internationally is to discover that the body of Christ is large and diverse. Uh, I am I'm always uh, rejoicing over the fact that no matter where I travel in this big old world, that I meet brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ who come from different backgrounds and different cultures and language and political ideologies and all. But when, it, when the rubber meets the road with these brothers and sisters in Christ, there is a sense of oneness because we have been baptized. We've all drunk of the same spirit, Paul says. We're all one in Christ. We're part of the same body. And we might have... Episcopalian or Baptist or Methodist or Alliance in front of our name. But if we've truly trusted in Christ, we are all Christian. We are part of the same body. It was a delight for me last week to be able to share together with good old Presbyterians in the heart of our city. And to understand that the body of Christ is there. And this morning, while we gather here, there are parts of Christ's body that are, are worshiping across this city and this state and this nation and around this world. And the thing that brings us all together is the person of Jesus Christ. I think that that was the genius of Albert Benjamin Simpson in founding the Alliance. He really never wanted to start a denomination. It was against his, his, his thinking and his desires. Because really it is Christ that brings us into the body and it is Christ that binds all these diverse parts together. We're all part of the same body. And while we are all one, at the same time there is a great and enormous diversity. And when you come into the body of Christ, when you are baptized by faith into the body of Jesus Christ, you bring your unique giftedness with you and you become an essential part of the body. And this Unity, which is ours in Christ, and this diversity which we bring, it all works together, functioning in harmony, bound together in a creative tension that sometimes becomes almost brittle in its intensity, but functions together in harmony within the body of Christ. So, to keep up with the metaphor of the animal kingdom, if you're a duck, then swim and quack and embrace it. If you're a rabbit, run and nibble and just enjoy it. If you're a squirrel, climb and jump. If you're an eagle, soar and perch. If you're a turkey, gobble and scratch. Many parts bound together in Christ, in one body. And we need not to disdain the diversity in the body, but we need to celebrate it. That we are unique and different, bound together with a sense of unity that comes from Christ together with other parts of the body and that minister together to bring the glorious gospel to the world around us. So there is diversity and unity bound together in a creative tension. That's the first principle. Second principle is this. Competitive comparisons breed trouble. Another way of saying this is to say that we desperately need each other. Desperately need each other. Let's face the fact that you 
are as essential to the function and the health of the body of Christ as this one is. And everyone is. Just the way God has uniquely gifted you. And how sad it is when we come to a place where we look longingly at another person and say, Oh, I wish I didn't have the gift that God gave me. I'd rather have the gift that God has given her or the gifts that God has given him. Sometimes we get into this comparison game. Listen, God makes no carbon copies. God specializes in originality. God made, when God made you, He made you an original. And He, as the old saying goes, broke the mold. There ain't no one quite like you. Aren't you glad? <laughs> Paul has a fascinating sense of humor. In verses 15 through 19, he says, If a foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cause cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I have not an eye, do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? Don't you love his humor? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the various parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. It's God's sovereign action that has done this. And if they were all one part, Paul says, if they were all an ear, all were a hand, where would the body be? Now, what I want you to do for just a moment is to, to let your imagination roam. Try with all your might to identify with Paul's metaphor here. Have you ever found yourself coveting what someone else had because you thought that their gift was better than yours? Uh, thinking on the natural plane for a moment, um, I don't have an athletic bone in my body. Not, not one bone. I am not athletically coordinated, sophisticated. I'm a klutz. And there have been times in my um, life uh, that I've wanted to be a great athlete. I never have been. And I doubt at this point I never will be. At times I have looked at the four Marsh boys, Lucas and Laban and Levi and Lamech, and I thought, boy, I'd love to have... They're athletic. To be able to swing a golf club like that, to be able to shoot a three-pointer the way Lucas Marsh does, to be able to pole vault the way Laban does, to be able to throw a football the way Levi does. But that's not the way God created me. He created me with other passions and, and other gifts. Perhaps you wish you had someone else's good looks. You feel homely compared to them, and you wish that you had their beauty. Or you wish you had the intellectual brilliance of another person. I'm sure you're out there thinking, oh, if I could be as intellectually brilliant as Pastor Rick is. (laughs) See, you can be a turkey and brilliant all at once. Or perhaps you covet the social skills that somebody else has, their ability to meet strangers and reach out and be friendly and have such interpersonal abilities. Paul, in this section, is urging you to picture the feelings of each individual piece of the body. And he says, imagine for a moment how the foot must feel. Think about feet. They're not the most attractive appendage that we have, are they? In fact, most of us are better off that our feet are encased in pieces of handsome leather. 
except for those of you wearing flip-flops today. I'm not attracted to feet at all. I think they're an ugly appendage. Can you picture a foot wishing that it were a hand? Think of all the things that you could do if you were a hand. Wouldn't it be better, if you're a foot, wouldn't it be better to be a hand? Let me ask you, which is a better balanced body? A body with two feet and two hands or a body with four hands and no feet? A body that is cut off at the ankles? Of course, the answer is obvious. What if the ear were to say, because I'm, an, I'm not an eye, therefore I don't belong to the body? Now, I have to admit to you that I have seen some beautiful eyes in my day. I am particularly fond of brown eyes. When I first met Kathy 28 years ago, I was taken by the brown limpid pools of her soft ethereal eyes. I think eyes, they get me every time. But I think ears are absolutely ugly. I mean, for a moment, look at the ear in front of the person. The person sitting in front. Don't touch it, stupid. Just look at it. I, I mean, some of us have it's a funny little thing, isn't it? Some of them stick out. Some of them are glued to the side of our head. Some of us are so self-conscious about our ears that we, we create certain hairstyles that cover them up so our ears are not to be seen. And others of us, to try to enhance this ugly little appendage, we put gold jewelry, both men and women these days, put gold jewelry in it to, to kind of enhance this ugly look. But what if the whole body were an ear? Can you imagine a six-foot ear walking around? Or a big eyeball. What if the whole body were an eye? A big eyeball marching around? Or what about a nose? Just imagine. <laughs> oh, my mind goes wild at the thought of that. If, the whole, if your whole body were a nose, all I can think about is nostril hairs. But the body, as God's designed it, is made up of very many diverse parts, each one unique, each one playing its part. And we, in the church, are like individual organs of the body. Some of us are hands, some of us are feet, some are noses, some are ears, some are eyes, some are hearts that pump, some of us are fingernails. And we dare not get stuck into comparing ourselves with someone else because that breeds trouble. Principle three. Interdependence is what's needed if the body is to be healthy and vital. Another way of stating this is that what affects one member of the body is felt by all. It is acknowledging that that we in the church, in the body of Christ, are not alone. We're in this together. And we are not healthy if we function on an individual and independent level. We are interdependent. 
Paul continues in writing in 1 Corinthians 12 and verses 20 through 26. As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, again, an interdependence of unity, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. And here's here's the bottom line. Verse 26. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. There are two primary concepts that are being stressed here in these verses. First is that there's no one or nothing that is too poor or insignificant to be an important part of the body of Jesus Christ. You need to remember that. We must remember that as in our physical body, we need all the parts functioning healthy to, healthily together. Even the weaker parts that might at times seem to us to be dispensable. We don't need that. That's not true in the body of Christ. Think about your big toe for a moment. Your big toe doesn't seem to be that significant a part of your body, does it? But I tell you what, lose your big toe and you're you're bound for some troubles and difficulty. The big toe, you don't think about it, it just happens reflexively, but your big toe senses when you're you're about to tip and fall over. It it strengthens and knows, even as I stand here today, if I start going this way, my big toe, I can feel it when I think about it consciously, my big toe is strengthening me to remain upright. Now, what if I didn't have that weaker, what I consider weaker part of my body? I'd tip right down over into the first pew. Every part is absolutely essential, and every part must work together, interrelated with that creative tension. My big toe is important to the health of my body. The fact is that the church of Jesus Christ has a lot of big toes in it. Big toes sometimes that are taken for granted. Big toes that... Don't stand up here on Sunday morning and get all the attention and the applause. Big toes that work behind the scenes, strengthening the body, keeping it stable. Do you know what would happen in this congregation if those big toes stopped exercising their gifts? This ministry would come to a quick halt. The people who serve in this body using their gifts... Oh, they might not be a singer or a player or a preacher or a teacher. But God has uniquely gifted them and their role, their gift, their part of the body's work is as absolutely essential to the healthy functioning of the body as mine. We are interdependent. I was reminded of that again yesterday. Kathy and I helped our daughter Jessica move into a new apartment I don't like moving all that much. In fact, I've told Kathy, if it's left up to me, the next time I move, it will be Nancy Duskus pulling me out of my home on Floric Road. 
I don't want to move again. And when Jessica asked for our help, I really didn't want to help. I hate moving. But God has gifted some people with the gift of helps in this body who are part of what FAC calls the FAC Moving Ministry. Some of you might not even know that, that we have a moving ministry. They've done almost 200 moves. And they helped us out yesterday. And the job was accomplished in an hour and a half. The bed was set up. Everything was put in place. It was all done in an hour and a half. Now, had I not had their help, I'd still be there. (laughs) Dragging my heels. But because they, those big toes who never get any credit, hardly a mention in the church, because they're exercising their gift of helps, I was able to get out of there in two hours flat and get on to the work that God has called me to do so that I could awake this morning refreshed and be able to exercise my gift, which is to preach and teach and lead. Wow, what if they chose not to do that? Paul says, if one part of the body suffers, then the whole body suffers. Because we're interrelated. We're connected with one another. We're interdependent. And some of the parts of the body that seem to be weaker really are the most important. There's no such thing as not being necessary in the body of Christ. And... If one member suffers, all suffer together. If all one member is honored, all rejoice together. I, I thought about this this week, too. I probably had more than 20 people either email me or see me personally and say, Wow, what a great job Ben Stefano did last week in preaching. Just a great, challenging message that really related. And you know what? If, if I weren't secure in myself and in the Lord, I, I suppose I could have been threatened by those comments. And thought, well, he might not be after Dave Snyder's job, but maybe he's after mine. <laughs> but you know what? I rejoiced at those comments. Because when one member of the body rejoices and succeeds and wins, the whole body wins. I win, you win, we all win. And we should rejoice together in that. We should not look at each other with green-eyed envy. We should not be competitive in our comparison. We should realize that we all need each other. We are interlocking. And it takes all of us to work together. I could, I could have sat here today and, and wished, oh, I wish I could play the piano like Ethan LaPlaca. But God hasn't gifted me that way. God's gifted Ethan that way, not me that way. I'm going to do what God has called me to do. Ethan is going to do what God has called and gifted him to do. Ben is going to do what God has gifted him to do. You need to do what God has gifted you to do. And not be ashamed of it and say, oh, my my part in the puzzle is not necessary. Oh, yes, it is. It's absolutely necessary. And I'm waiting for the day. When some of you who are sitting back on the benches and not in the game, when all of you will 
be about the business of discovering your giftedness, no matter what it is, whether it's the gift of administration or helps or mercy or faith or giving or tongues or interpretation of tongues or whatever. You discover your gift and you're ready to use it for the glory of God and for the welfare of his body. Do you know what would happen? If a church like First Alliance, if every born-again believer baptized of the Spirit, if every born-again believer in this church would employ their particular giftedness, teaching, evangelism, administration, helps, whatever, there would be no holding this church back. We would be a church unleashed in this community. But the reason that that hasn't happened is because some of us are holding back in disobedience and saying, well, my part in the whole is not really that important. Oh, yes, it is. And we're not functioning at supreme capacity because you're not using your gift. Lynn, help me. What principle are we on? Was that four? That was three. We're out of time. Let me give you principle four, and then we're done. There's no such thing as exclusivity in the body of Jesus Christ. Another way of putting this, and I've said this already, is that there are many, many spiritual gifts. Many. And all of them, I believe, are operative today. Paul is urging us, you and me, to see our diversity Blended together in unity. He's warning against a competitive comparison that breeds trouble. He's yearning for an experience of interdependence that provides for overall health in the body of Christ. And he wants us to discover our unique gifting and use those gifts for the health of the body. Not to show off how good we are or important we are. The, Paul, the, the point that Paul is making here is simply this, that in the body of Christ, there's no room for showboating. No room for showboating. We are to put a priority on emphasizing healthy community. And God is weaving together, and only God knows the variety of gifts that he's put together here. But I know this, that he's not left anything, because our God is a f- sufficient God. He's not left anything wanting. Just think what would happen if all of us would use our unique giftings. We would never, 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 I promise you, we would never have to list in a bulletin again a need for a teacher in this class or help in the nursery or volunteers for this or volunteers for that. Why? Because God has put enough gifted people to meet the needs that this body is experiencing. They're already here. We don't have to bring more in. They're already here. And if we would use those gifts, if we would get off the bench and into the game, if we would use our God-given gifts, the body of Christ would move forward for the glory of God. And that's what we should be doing. Well, our time has come and overrun. So let me just say this. We are the body of Christ, made up of many parts, diverse, unique, gifted, interdependent, all necessary, none more important than the other, 
working together as one unit under the lordship of our head, the Lord Jesus Christ. And together, the body of Christ, we, the church, not somebody else, we, the church, are with the Spirit's help and power, we're moving forward the work of God, His sovereign work in this world. Remember that this week. And celebrate the diversity that are in the many parts, but also celebrate the unity that is ours. Because we serve one Christ, Savior and Lord. Stand together and let's pray.